electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Pent up demand. Get used to hearing that term because it's going to define the very next leg of this just impossible to believe bull market. And it helped us rebound today. Dow only gaining 60 points. That's going to be rising 0.18%. NASDAQ dipping 0.05%. Now, we've been given so many reasons to buy stocks during this pandemic. Think about it. First, there was the $2 trillion stimulus package that sent Americans a $1,200 check along with $600 per week and expanded unemployment insurance if you lost your job. Then there was the essential store bull market where the government anointed a bunch of strong national chains like Home Depot, Walmart, Target, Lowe's and Costco to stay open no matter what. Close a bunch of others, of course, with Amazon. Uh, Then we realized all sorts of companies would actually make more money under COVID than without it, like the cloud software plays that enable remote work, the the cloud security plays. This virus pushed through multiple years worth of digitization into a matter of months. Meanwhile, the stay-at-home economy triggered a tsunami of home buying and renovation. If you have to do everything from your house, well, you might as well live somewhere nice and spacious where you can turn empty rooms into offices or gyms or entertainment centers, Uh, (laughs) schools. Uh, Look, the whole family stuck inside. I mean, you couldn't skate by with one consumer anymore. You needed one per person. And to make the experience more bearable, you could get a Sonos speaker system, Peloton ExerCycle, or a zillion video games or whatever gadget you needed to stream online video content directly to your TV. Speaking of the TV, good time to upgrade that, too. Then there was the used car bull market, part of the same trend, because you need a car to get around when you move from the city to the suburbs or, or, or the rest of the maybe out in the country. The whole used car complex roared, everything from lithium motors to auto nation to the ones guys we had on last night, Carvana. The booming used car market then bled down to the actual automakers, with Ford and GM seeing their first upcycle in ages. Their stocks are electric. Oh, speaking of electric, the whole EV space has been white hot, at least until a few days ago. 
Then China turned the corner. They beat the virus and their economy came roaring back. Suddenly we got big orders for agriculture, elevators, sneakers, cell phones, even Starbucks lattes, not to mention all sorts of capital goods like engines from Cummins or machinery from Caterpillar. Don't forget the commodities. Here goes Freeport. China has a voracious appetite for copper and, of course, for oil, which is why they've been able to rebound. Finally, a few weeks ago, we started seeing some phenomenal clinical trial results for a series of vaccines. It's not just Moderna and Pfizer. you got all sorts of life sciences companies that are tied to the pandemic, like Illumina, Thermo Fisher, raised numbers last night, swab companies, testing companies, you name it. And now? Well, today, the United Kingdom approved Pfizer's vaccine. Once they start passing out jabs, which is what the Brits call shots, you are about to get a lot of, yes, the next bull market, pent-up demand. Once we get closer to herd immunity, everything that got, got put on hold, everything during the pandemic can make a comeback. Let me give you some of the examples of where to go and what you're going to see. Exhibit A is Boeing. Yes, the 737 MAX is back. It's back in air. Although I think it's time to revert to just calling it the 737. There's a tremendous amount of pent-up demand for travel. So when we finally beat this thing, the airlines will be clamoring for new planes. I already see some large orders coming from Ryanair. Maybe 75 planes, according to the Irish papers. That's going to send this stock higher, as will every single order that you get. I own this for my travel trust. I think Boeing is still the number one way to play pent-up demands. Can you imagine after being cooped up for the better part of the year, suddenly the whole world will be able to go somewhere again? And what do you think that does to the stock of United Airlines or American, which recently did a secondary offering that everyone cleaned up on? How high will it propel wind resorts or Las Vegas sands, especially when Macau hits its stride? Don't forget, it's going to be big in Vegas again. The most obvious place to go once you get vaccinated? Of course, you go to Disney World. With this British vaccine approval, I wonder if Americans have started booking rooms at Disney World, and even the closed Disneyland, I'm sure they have, got act fast. As for the cruise lines, the buyers can't wait for those stocks. I mean, it's incredible. They have an endless tiny rallies on any good news. And now they're even rallying on bad news. You want pent-up demand? Look at the stock of Norwegian Cruise Lines. They just told you today that they're canceling everything they had scheduled for January and February. The stock went up anyway. Travel agency stocks, oh, wow, roaring for the same reason. That string's trickling down to Alphabet as Google makes a fortune from travel ads. The stock has been a horse, and yet it's still behind the rest of the group. I would buy the stock of Alphabet. Pent-up demand's also behind the next leg of the oil rally. Remember, you do have my blessing once again to buy the stocks of Chevron or Pioneer. Those are the best. They'll run ahead of the commodity because they've stopped spending so aggressively. Now, that Exxon has preserved its dividend. You can sense a temporary bottom building, right? Even And I don't like them for the long term, except for Pioneer and Chevron. Even if the Biden administration comes after fossil fuels, anything that keeps these companies from drilling will only benefit their bottom line. Even the pathetic banks are doing better. They all trade together, so pick one and don't sweat the program, unless you're riffed ideas. Then may I suggest that you buy American Express, because it's the official pent-up demand play of the financial sector. Pent-up demand is great news for Wall Street, but maybe not so great for Main Street. Why? Because so many small businesses won't be able to make it to the promised land. And when they go under and millions of people could lose their jobs, well, it's not going to really coincide with pent-up demand. Right now, the COVID numbers are exploding. Yesterday, we had the second worst daily death toll of the entire pandemic. Lots of businesses will have to close, even if we don't go back into full lockdown. However, even when you're closed, you still need to pay your bills, and it's hard to make rent when you have no revenue. 
Roughly 14 million jobs are on the line here, yet Senator, uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell just shot down the best hope for a bipartisan stimulus compromise. Now, I don't really know what Senator McConnell's game is, but I can tell you he has effectively given Walmart, Costco, Home Depot, and even Amazon a huge boost because tons of their competitors will go under without another relief package. Maybe he's one of those uh, shop big guys. I always see the shop small ads. Even that's discouraging news on the stimulus front. It can't stop Kohl's, which is coming back. Macy's, I still like the five below. Again, they're going to be the last man standing when the smaller rivals go bankrupt. Uh, the center is standing in the way of a substantial, uh, uh, I'd say, opportunity for everybody else who's been left behind to get out of the food lines. Hey, by the way, uh, Darden wins, uh, Brinker wins, Chipotle, because those are the restaurant chains that are going to be able to survive. They can survive because they have scale, regardless of what happens in Washington. But we see this playing out all over the place. Hotels, that's Marriott. They'll survive the current onslaught. The great news about the pent-up demand rally, while these stocks have been creeping up, I now expect them to explode higher as the analysts are forced to raise numbers. Do you know how many times you're going to hear raise numbers Boeing in the next six months? Raise numbers, Boeing. Raise numbers, Boeing. Raise numbers, Boeing. And every time it happens, well, you know it'll happen. I look, the market's been going up for ages. We're due for a pullback. Maybe lots of stocks that needs to be sold to welcome Tesla to the S&P 500, whatever. But the bottom line, these pent-up demand groups, well, they can have a lot more upside now that the vaccine's right around the corner. You know something? I wish I could go to London next week, get myself jabbed. It's like that. Jab me. Dave in Virginia. Dave. Hey, Booyah, Jimbo. Always Booyah. to talk with you. All right. And, uh, you know, from a 20-year Navy veteran, and I always thank you for supporting the veterans. You uh, bet. I see uh, you're a big fan of retail stocks, and, you know, and I've seen the potato chip company, Uts, continue to go up and up and up. What's your thought about? What's your thoughts about investing in it for the foreseeable future? It's been down for two straight days. So you know what? That's a great time to buy odds. It hardly ever comes in. I imagine there's some actual supply out there for the first time. I would buy some odds right here. I think it's a good situation. How, and thank you for serving, by the way. Twenty years. Let's go to Ann in Indiana. Ann. Jim, thanks for taking my call tonight. You're welcome. I'm a club member, but I'm calling about Chegg. It feels like this secular grower has turned into a COVID play. So has the story changed? Well, I don't want to be in the COVID place right now because I think they've got overheated because we're now in the post-COVID place. And I think people are starting to think, you know what, there's going to be people going back to school once they get jabbed uh, and that Chegg's not as uh, as good a story. Let this stock come in. Let's start. Let's people start saying, hey, you know what, Chegg's over with. And then you can come back. I don't like the fact that right now there are too many people who are thinking about what happens when everything opens again. Michael in Georgia. Michael. Jimmy, chill. Chill, Long man. Long time, no talk. Last time I called in was about 10 years ago when I first started investing. So All I right. say thanks for a decade of phenomenal advice, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Jim, I'm wondering if you think it's a good time to start a position in Dropbox. It seems to be a fast-growing company with a fantastic balance sheet. I also think they're looking towards the future with the acquisition of HelloSign, as well as their newly improved smart workspace, which could be significant in the shift towards remote work. What do you think, Jim? You know, everybody, it's kind of like Slack. Everybody loves Slack, but it was an orphan. And then, uh, and then you got the bid. You got the bid. Uh, I hate to say it, but Dropbox needs a bid because it's an orphan, too. And I like to recommend stocks on the basis of takeover. I regard it as an orphan. Don't know what will make it so that it gets out of the orphanage. All right. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's saying pullback, right? But pent-up demand is going to define the next leg of this bull market. And here you go. I'm giving you the whole darn list. Oh, man, tonight, I've got the exclusive with the CEO of PVH. Find out how the retail sector's faring as COVID cases continue to flare. Then, keep the engine running. Our Know Your Electric Vehicle SPAC segment continues. And this time, I'm positive. I'll reveal it just ahead. And after the close, XBO Logistics announced it would spin off its logistics business into a separate publicly traded company. I've got the CEO fresh off the news. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Everybody's waiting for the economy to fully reopen after we get the vaccines. But some surprising companies are already putting up incredible numbers. Take PVH, the parent of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. When PVH reported after the close, they shot the lights out. The company earned $1.32 per share. Wall Street was only looking for $0.24. Cents. That's a huge beat on higher than expected sales. What's driving the strength? PVH pointed to a very strong recovery in Europe and China. They also called out their digital business, up 36% year-over-year, and up 70% at their digital properties that they own themselves. That's breathtaking. Don't take it from me, though. Let's go directly to the source with Manny Chirico, the bankable chairman and CEO of PVH, who's retiring from the job in two months and passing the baton to a subordinate, Stefan Larson. Mr. Chirico, welcome back to Mad Money. Uh, great to see you, Jim. Looking forward to this. Okay, Manny, you're, you're going out on an incredibly high note. How are you able to crush the numbers like this and what many people think is a collapse of retail? Well, Jim, I think it's really the strength of our brands overall. Both the Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger brands continue to have great momentum behind them. Um, and what's really been the driver of our business, and you touched on it in your opening remarks, has been our international businesses. 
Our business in Europe, which is is in the third quarter, was up year over year, actually positive. And our business in throughout Asia, which is relatively flat, but China is actually comping very much positive for us. So those those two strengths have really driven the business, uh, both from a top line and a bottom line point of view. So we're really seeing strong performance in the international markets. And my sources on Singles Day said that you were uh, perhaps the best uh, apparel company from America there. Well, we, we were very satisfied with the results. We succeeded our plans and well ahead of our prior year performance uh, on Singles Day. So we were very happy with our performance, uh, both for Calvin Klein and Tommy Ophir. The brands really performed exceedingly well on Singles Day. And to our, as, we've, as we've gone into the fourth quarter in general, we're seeing strong performance in all regions. Now, how about the U.S.? I mean, we read about mall traffic down 50 percent, but we also know that you have made a major push into digital. I don't think digital can make up for that. But what, how do you feel the, the pent-up demand is for spending in this country? Well, I think, is, um, I think look, there's a, the challenge we're facing in North America in our brick-and-mortar business, a major component of that is international tourism. Uh, in our retail stores in North America, international tourists represent 35 to 44 percent of our sales. And obviously, uh, tourism, interna- international tourism is way down. Uh, it's down about 95 percent. Tourism overall is down probably about 85 to 90 percent. Uh, so we're making that we're making a, a portion of that up with our digital sales, our e-commerce business both direct to consumer ourselves and through our pure play partners, Macy's.com, our Amazon business is very strong. And we're, we've been trying to make up also with the domestic consumer in our stores. But clearly that uh, a headwind for us has been the international tourist. And I think that's going to continue to be a headwind at least for the next uh, three to six months until a vaccine is in place. Now, speaking of international, I found Europe has COVID. Uh, a lot of those countries have the kind of a modified lockdown to some degree or another. And yet Europe was good for you. How's that possible? Well, Europe was very strong for us in the third quarter. As, as you just touched on, in November, 40% of our stores were temporarily closed in November. Uh, and that was a headwind. Uh, today, uh, about 6% of our stores are closed today in Europe. Uh, and by Within the next seven days, we expect all of the stores to reopen. In the stores that are open, we're seeing very strong performance there. Our digital business in e-commerce is up significantly in Europe, and that's where we've been making up for some of the shortfalls that we saw in in the brick-and-mortar business. And to be honest, our wholesale business um, is up uh, is up substantially, and we're seeing our fall and spring order books really have a tremendous amount of momentum. Spring 2021 for us, our order books, which have just been completed, are up high single digits, and I'm not sure anybody is showing that kind of positive uh, results in their wholesale bookings report. So I think it's a testament to the strength of our brands. Uh, the product offerings that we have, and uh, the great team we have in Europe. Now, you've made some changes in the actual look and feel of some of your uh, offerings. Are those helping? Yeah, definitely. Look, you know, 
we're Calvin and Tommy are very broad brands. They play across the lifestyle spectrum from dress up to casual to performance. And obviously in this environment, we've significantly uh, stepped up our athleisure and our casual sportswear businesses, our underwear businesses, which are running off the charts for us. And uh, our, um, our casual sportswear businesses, our jeans businesses, both the Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein, clearly are also performing exceedingly well. So we've gone where the consumer is shopping, what the consumer is looking for. We focused on those product categories. We've been, really been able to impact the second half of the year. As, as, as everyone was caught with the, with the pandemic, we were able to really pivot very quickly when we saw the trends so we could be positioned for the second half of uh, 2020. And I think the teams have done a terrific job of getting the right product in the right distribution channels so we can service the consumer. Well, excellent. On a personal note, Manny, we will miss you greatly. Uh, to uh, the CEOs out there, you're looking at a person who, when things were good, came on, and when things were bad, came on. It was always the same. That's why I have always liked Manny and I've always liked PVH. Manny, thanks for being stand up in both the good and bad times. You are an exemplar in corporate America. All right, thanks so much, Jim. Appreciate all your support in the past. Thank you. You'll be very missed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's Manny Tirico, Chairman CEO of PVH. Very strong quarter. Here we heard about athleisure and jeans. That is a very strong trend that I don't think is going away. And money's back in. Coming up. 2020 has tied supply chains all over the world into knots. Can XPO Logistics help keep your portfolio untangled? Kramer talks with the CEO when Mad Money returns. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. For the past nine months, all sorts of high-tech auto startups have been flooded with money from special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs for short. Now, these are these publicly uh, traded pots of money that exist solely to buy other businesses. 
Mostly the SPAC story has been synonymous with EVs, electric vehicles, with the likes of Nikola uh, Fisker, uh, Lordstown Motors, using them to come public via what's known as reverse mergers. And we know how that story usually goes. First, a SPAC announces that it's pouring all its cash into one of these futuristic car plays. Then its stock explodes higher. But these names quickly become overhyped and, and definitely overheated. So most of them come tumbling back down. However, there have been a few terrific ones. Great opportunities here if you know how to separate the wheat from the chaff. See, for instance, yesterday I mentioned QuantumScape, which is building a better lithium battery for electric cars. The stock pulled back hard, along with the rest of the group this week. But I recommended this one at 13. It's at, uh, in October. It's at 37 change. So I think it's worth continuing to hunt through these SPACs. Some deals, if we can find maybe another terrific trade or even better, although this is much harder, a great investment. Unfortunately, electronic vehicle stocks tend to be super expensive. That's why I warned you against that charge point, the charging station play last night. But what about a different kind of high-tech auto company, one that's coming public through a reverse merger, with one of these special purpose acquisition vehicles that we are skeptical about, but maybe this one's good. Let's put electricity to the side for the moment and talk about the other huge secular theme in the auto industry that we haven't spoken much about in, in a year. Autonomous driving. It's still for real. In late August, we learned that a SPAC called Gore's Metro- Metropolis made a deal to merge with a privately held automotive technology startup called Luminar. These days, uh, these guys, what is their special? It's LIDAR. And I, I brought that to you a couple of times. That's shorthand for light detection and ranging. LIDAR is like radar, except it uses lasers to detect objects rather than radio waves. Uh, a lot of luxury cars have these sensors already, and they're absolutely essential for autonomous driving, collision prevention. Smart cars need a detection and ranging system. Otherwise, they can't tell when they're going to hit something. Just yesterday, Gore's Metropolis shareholders formally voted to approve the reverse merger, and the company's announced the deal's closing today. Tomorrow, Gore's Metropolis becomes Luminar and gets its own symbol, L-A-Z-R. Yes, like laser. As with most of these SPAC deals, there's all sorts of volatility associated with the closing. After falling more than 7% yesterday, GMHI shares were down 17% today, but reversing and closing at 18, 18, even up nearly 6% for the day. I thought these things are very volatile. So should you be interested in Luminar when all the deal noises pass? Well, it's certainly an intriguing story. Luminar was founded, I mean, it, it, no, it's better than intriguing. Get this. It was founded in 2012 by a 17-year-old kid, Austin Russell, who must have been some kind of prodigy because he developed a new type of LiDAR from the ground up. He's only 25 now, but Luminar has already built the only LiDAR sensor that meets the most stringent performance, cost, and safety requirements for autonomous vehicles. They've got partnership with seven of the top 10 global passenger vehicle uh, manufacturers, not to mention some major players in trucking and robo-taxis, which one day I think are going to make Lyft and uh, Uber even stronger. Those talks have been red hot. Have you noticed that? It also got a deal with Volvo, uh, which I know when I, when I remember when I was out at Uber, and that starts in 2022. Uh, Luminar's hardware and software will be integrated into Volvo's global vehicle platform. Wow, I cannot think of a better endorsement given Volvo's well-deserved reputation for passenger safety. Why do all these automakers want to work with Luminar? Well, first, you need to understand what separates LiDAR from competing technologies. For something like autonomous driving or even advanced driver assistance systems, your car needs to be able to see. Most commonly, they use cameras or radar. Cameras are cheap. And they're good at distinguishing different kinds of objects, but they're borderline worthless in bad weather, and their depth perception is completely unreliable. 
Radar works in, in, in any weather. You send out radio waves, they bounce back off of anything solid. The problem with radar is that it's meant for long-range detection. That's why we use it in airplanes. For short-range imaging, which is what you need for self-driving cars, radar doesn't give you much detail, and it's not great at picking up smaller objects. In other words, it's not good enough for a self-driving car. And that's where LiDAR comes in. It's very similar to radar, except that visible light gives you much more detail than a radio wave, light over radio. That's why most companies working on autonomous driving have embraced LiDAR, including Waymo, Outfit's self-driving car business, Mobileye, and that's Intel's autonomous driving division. Only Tesla seems not to be a fan. The problem with LiDAR, it's very expensive. At least it was. These systems used to cost tens of thousands of dollars. They were uneconomic. But last year, Luminar introduced a new LiDAR platform that they can produce for 500 bucks. Talk about a game changer. How about the financials? At the end of the day, this is still an early stage story. They have a little revenue. Should be about $15 million this year. Big ramp up in 2023. Luminar's management is forecasting that they'll have 123% compound annual revenue growth from this year through 2025. And that's incredible. Given that they seem to have a build a better mousetrap, I take those projections more seriously than we usually hear from high-tech auto plays that come public via reverse mergers. More important, Luminar's forward-looking order book has grown by 30% in just the three months since we learned about the Gores Metropolis deal. They now have a $1.3 billion order book. They already have... Yeah, $1.3 billion. They already have working relationships with many of the big automakers. This uh, it feels a lot more like QuantumScape, that's the big battery, uh, the better battery play that's given us a huge win, than the overhyped electric vehicle names that may or may not be able to launch their own cars or trucks year, years down the line. Plus, unlike the electric vehicle stocks, which spent last month rocketing higher for no particular reason, Luminar has real catalysts. They won a major design contract with Mobileye less than two weeks ago that caused the stock to soar. Gores Metropolis, the SPACs Luminar uh, merging with, was at $10 before the Mobileye news. Now it's at $18. That actually makes sense because, remember, Mobileye is one of the two big ones, and that's owned by Intel. It was a fantastic endorsement, and a lot of people – Mobileye works, okay? Plus, put it all together, and Luminar seems – it's dominating a terrific industry. We're talking about a pure play on autonomous driving with better technology than its rivals. There's some hair on it. The Gores Group, the private equity firm behind Gores Metropolis, doesn't have the best track record with special purpose acquisition companies, at least not when it comes to the public uh, fellow shareholders. They have a history of doing deals that underperform, like when one of their SPACs merged with Hostess four years ago, although ultimately that thing worked out, but it's kind of a different company. Still, I think this stock is absolutely worth owning at the right price. Given the turmoil in these high-tech auto SPAC stocks, I recommend taking this one slowly. You can put on a small position in Gorsman Metropolis here before it transforms into Luminar, but then you should wait for a pullback maybe below 15 before buying more. Worst case, it keeps falling. You can keep buying another tranche under 13. What can I say? For SPAC, this thing's practically a bargain. Bottom line. Unlike so many of these SPAC reverse merger plays, I think Luminar's got great prospects. You can hear about it from the man himself when Luminar's uh, Boy Wonderkin CEO, Austin Russell, joins Squawk Box, which is actually before Squawk on the Street. That's another show called Squawk Box. He's coming on at 6.45 a.m. ahead of making its public market debut. But the group is very volatile. Please, uh, it's, it's up and down, up and down. Buy it, but buy it slowly, but definitely buy it nonetheless. How about we go to Eduardo in California, Eduardo? Hey, big fan, first-time caller. I have a question about Sony, in particular, both short-term and long-term. I'm currently holding options and stocks in it. I was currently wondering what your thought was in particular to the gaming industry and obviously the other portfolios that Sony has. 
Thank you so much for your time. Happy holidays. I was talking. Thank you. You too. I was talking with, with uh, David Faber and Carl this morning about how undervalued Sony is, even though it's had an amazing, amazing run. The whole Japanese market, by the way, is incredibly undervalued still. But Sony's good. That's a great, uh, great call, Eduardo. All right. Separating the wheat from the chaff is important when it comes to these new SPACs, all right? When it comes to Luminar, I think it's great. Buy it slowly. But buy it. Much more mad money ahead, including my suit with XPO fresh off of its news of a spinoff that makes it to a real value. You're not going to want to miss this. Then what President-elect Biden's potential China policies mean for this market. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. At the very beginning of the year, we got some big news from one of our longtime favorites, XPO Logistics, the transportation roll-up that spent years consolidating the trucking industry. Management said they were exploring strategic alternatives. I mean, they wanted to sell off some of the businesses, but then the pandemic rolled in and M&A activity kind of ground to a halt. Even after the economy picked up again and COVID gave the freight industry a huge boost, XPO couldn't find a buyer that was willing to pay what they thought the business was worth. Well, it looks like they're doing something arguably even better for shareholders. Yep, XPO just announced that they're spinning off their entire logistics division, effectively splitting the company into a freight transportation business and a non-asset truck brokerage that would be the second largest contract logistics outfit in the world. I love it when companies break themselves up to unlock values. So let's take a closer look with Brad Jacobs, the chairman and CEO of XPO Logistics. Find out more about the spin-off. Mr. Jacobs, and welcome back to Mad Money. Great to see you, Jim. All right, so, Brad, I think that you're responding to the big themes that shareholders told you. Slim, simplify the story so everybody understands it and get some leverage down. How does this accomplish that? You're exactly right. So we've been on a mission for about a year now to really do a lot of self-reflection and to talk to our share owners, talk to our employees, talk with our board, talk with outside experts and say, how can we unlock all this tremendous value that's trapped inside this conglomerate structure because we only traded about nine and a half times EBITDA and our competitors traded 15, 16, as much as 19 times EBITDA. And the answer we got back was two things. You got to simplify the company. It's too complicated, too many moving parts, and you got to get to be investment grade. And people consistently told us, Jim, if you do those two things, the universe of potential investors, of buyers for our stock, will be much, much, much more. So by separating into two global segments, two separate public trading companies, two real powerhouses, leaders in logistics and transportation, we've got two strong companies that are really easy to understand. The logistics business, which is what happens in about 800 warehouses around the world in that part of the business, and the transportation business, which 90% of the EBITDA comes from less than truckload and truck brokerage. All right, so, Brett, Will, uh, I've, I've seen all the money and technology you put in logistics. It's the number one. It's the smartest logistics company in the world. Will other companies be able to tap into that now, giving you a much bigger revenue stream? Well, our customers tap into that and increasingly tap into that. You know, in our logistics business, we are squarely in the middle of this massive e-commerce boom. We have the largest outsourced e-com fulfillment platform in all of Europe. We're very big in omni-channel. We're huge in reverse logistics. And we have a big presence in cold chain. So all the hottest parts of supply chain powered by this e-com boom, we're right in the middle of that. You know, it is interesting. 
when I think about some of the trucking companies that I think you and I would say, hey, they're just okay. They trade at a higher valuation than yours. Yeah, they do. I mean, I see the expo. Everyone sees the expo logistics trucks on the road. I always, I always say to my wife, "Hey, I know these guys. They somehow they are worth less than all these other trucks that you see." It never made sense, Brad. You know, it never made sense to me. But keeping an keeping an open mind and asking people, tell us the truth. What's going on? Why are we trading such a discount? It, and asking lots and lots of smart people, it really came down to two things. There was a reason for it. Too complicated, and you need to be investment grade. If you do those two things, a lot of things can really, really, really well happen. But, okay, so let's talk about what uh, people should understand, because, Brad, you're a, a very good deal maker. What are the comps, so to speak? How do we compare a logistics business that we think may be the best with other logistics businesses that, that frankly, people don't know? Well, DHL is number one in the logistics side. We're number two. Uh, there's another company based in Switzerland called Cuninagel, which is a fine company. There's another uh, logistics company in, in the U.K. called Clipper. And there's another one that's got logistics and some other things, too, called DSV uh, in Scandinavia. On average, they trade for about 15 times EBITDA. On truck brokerage side, Jim, the largest player in the market that we're the best comparable for is C.H. Robinson. They trade about 15 times. And then on the less than truckload side, Old Dominion trades at 19 times, not nine and a half times, 19 times. And Saya trades at 12 times. And on the these are all fine companies. When you look at the metrics, we're right up there and better in many ways. Now, at the, at the same time, though, I, we just got some data about how business was. It looks like that, that Cyber Monday was by far the biggest ever. I have to imagine that you might be able to get both parts at a price that is a little bit ridiculous, given how how much business FedEx has got and UPS has got. Because I, look, those are fine companies. You know that. I know that. But we've had we're having a boom right now. Oh, for sure. If we were valued just at the average of the multiples of our peers, our stock price would be roughly fifty percent higher than it is right now. So we're patient. We'll get there. Now you mentioned cold storage. Are you part of a uh, uh, of Warp Speed? We're not in the warp speed program, but the vaccine distribution is affecting everybody. It already is. They're doing trial runs. Our expedite division is taking a lot of stuff where we've got the refrigerated, we've got the temp control trucks. But we're not going to be right in the center of it like FedEx, uh, UPS, and DHL. They're going to get the lion's share, but there's, there's plenty of business to go around on the secondary part of it. Are you optimistic? That I am. Just, that I'm very you optimistic. Yeah. Because you're a critical yeah. guy. I mean, you can say, look, it's a little disorganized and chaotic. If you tell me it's going well, I think all of us will feel pretty good. Look, life is disorganized and chaotic, right. but you can find order and, and, and purpose within it. I think there, is, there are so many great people, great minds, great companies, really being patriotic as well as a patriotic influence, the humanitarian. I, I, I think what the world is going to accomplish in the next few months on the distribution of the vaccine is Really amazing. I mean, it really is humanity at, at its best. Oh, all right. One last thing. I know that you have done the last mile. You've done more parent, pure, really done more work on last mile than anybody. I see lots of people buying bigger and bigger things online. It's just what people what happened. That's, again, your sweet spot. I think you should be valued more than the companies that have trucks that don't come to your house. I mean, I don't understand. If it. you want to argue, if you want an argument on that, you're going to have to talk to somebody else because I fully agree with you. 
Well, anyway, look, you've just, I think you've done a great job. You've built two great businesses. And I think uh, one, uh, let's say, uh, one minus one equals three. I don't know how else to put it. But congratulations, Brad, for all you did for shareholders. Really good to see you. All the best. Okay. Thank you. That's Brad Jacobs, CEO of XPO Logistics. Guys, just on the earnings alone, this stock deserves to be substantially higher. This breakup is going to unlock a huge amount of value. Mad Money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the Mighty Rick. What's up, Rapper? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead. The lightning round is over with AJ in Ohio. AJ. Hey, Jim. This is Jason from Cleveland. Okay. He has a question about a stock. Booyah, Jim. I love this show. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Technology. Thank you. Which one? What is your opinion on Apex Technologies? Blank check company. Have to do the work. Don't know that, you know, these are another one of these. It's a SPAC kind of thing. So we got to do more work on it. I'm sorry. Let's go to Zach in Washington. Zach. Hey, Jim. Hey, I want to talk today about the stock that has going to, that sellers are going to disappear. I'm talking about the Trones price target of $100 for Jumia. J-N-I-A. Look, it, it just, I, I recommend it just double. I don't know. I mean, how far can this thing go? I, I, I got to be careful. I mean, I know it's very hot and more guys recommended it today, but I think you got to let it cool off a little. It's been straight up. You're at 85%. I, I don't want you to come in and then the next thing have it drop down and say, well, why didn't Jim tell me to buy it? It is up five today. That's a lot. Richard in New York. Richard. Hey, Jimmy Chill. You're the man. Thanks oh, so thank much. you. I love being the man. Little guy. You help us a lot. Thank you. I want to give a big shout out to my newlywed daughter in Connecticut, Samantha. Good luck with your new job. Love, love, Samantha. Excellent. Congratulations. Jimmy, uh, my stock, I bought it a couple of weeks before the uh, the election in anticipation of a Biden win. You had the CEO on your show a couple of weeks before. The stock is taking off like a rocket ship. I want to know what I should do with grow generation. You know, we, this is something we did, very rarely did. We had the CEO, and then the next day I wrote a piece just saying, you know what, this is it. This is the best way to be able to play marijuana, uh, cannabis, whatever. It has since doubled. Now, when they double, I cannot go out as hard and say, now I want you to buy. I think the stock has been a rocket ship. I want rocket ships to cool off. Let's go to Lena in Florida. Lena. Hi, Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. You betcha. My stock is CBS Emergent by Solution. This stock is too low. I'll tell you why. Because they're involved with J&J, and I think J&J is going to be the next big vaccine that we hear about. And they are making billions of vaccines. I think this stock is just going down, down, down because there hasn't been any news flow. So I say that one's okay to buy. Let's go to Rich in Virginia. Rich. Hey, Jim. Uh, Rich from Richmond. I appreciate all your help. I've been investing since 1971 wow. and listening to you the last 10 years, and you made me a sugar pile of money this year. I really appreciate it, and thank you. I thank you. Man, thank you very much. It's very kind. How can I help? Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, we got a new administration coming in, and uh, good time to look at stocks that are involved with Alzheimer's, I believe. Uh, looking at a little company out of Austin, Sava Sciences, S-A-V-A. 
Yeah, this is pain management. We have to be very careful with the pain management ones. We don't know. I mean, remember, everyone's always trying to find the pain management holy grail that's not opiate. So I've got to do more, more work on that because if I get too far ahead of something and it doesn't work, then I will have made a big mistake. Let's go to Jerry in Pennsylvania. Jerry. IPG, Jeb. IPG? Good company. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how good is advertising right now? You know, you know Michael Ross still there. Let's get Michael Ross on the phone. I like that guy. Uh, that stock is still inexpensive. I think IPG is good. Its, it's stock is still way below where the rest of the market is. How about we go to Jarrett in New York? Jarrett. Jimmy Channel, how goes it? Not bad. How about you? All right, all right. Um, so I'm holding a data analytics stock that hasn't received much attention since its IPO earlier this fall. It's a cloud-native competitor to Splunk. Do you think Logic can excel in this crowded space? It's a very crowded space, particularly at the fact that Splunk blew up tonight. And I like Doug Merritt very much. And talking about missed forecasts and, jeez, uh, uh, revenue, re- recurring revenue not being that good. So I, I can't just go recommending this one. No, not right here, not right now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Did President Trump lose his trade war with China when he lost the election? This morning, the New York Times published an interview with President-elect Biden, conducted by Tom Friedman, and it gave you some hints about his China policy. First, Biden won't make any immediate moves. He won't roll back Trump's 25 percent tariffs on roughly half of our imports from China. He talked about making, and I quote, progress on China's abusive practices that's stealing intellectual property, dumping products, illegal subsidies to corporations, end quote, not to mention forced tech transfer from American companies to the Chinese counterparts. Biden told Friedman again, quote, the best China strategy is one which gets every one of our allies on the same page, end quote. Hey, you know what? That sounds so good in theory, right? But I don't know how you get our allies on the same page at this point. Look at it this way. Why would the rest of the world help us crack down on China? They're making a lot of money trading with the Chinese, and it doesn't hurt that the Communist Party is throwing money all over the globe with its One Belt, One Road initiative. They're giving out better bribes than our government's willing to pay. I'd love to be proven wrong about this, but I'm not holding my breath. What else? Biden says the U.S. doesn't have leverage with China. That's true now. But before the pandemic, we were on the verge of getting some leverage. Trump's trade war was doing real damage, driving manufacturing into other countries, forcing the Chinese government to make meaningful concessions. For a moment, it looked like American companies would finally get unfettered access to China's markets without being forced into bogus joint ventures with local businesses. We just signed a preliminary trade deal with China that looked pretty darn good. And then COVID hit. The Chinese swiftly suppressed the virus. Us, we utterly failed to contain it. That changed the calculus. But you know what? The lesson of Trump's trade policy is that taking a hard line gets results. All those tariffs made it easier to negotiate real concessions. That said, I think we would have done even better if the president had been less openly disrespectful and our policy had been more consistent. The execution, (coughs) let's just say, it was far from perfect. But man, for the first time in ages, the Chinese government was willing to change its behavior because they feared losing millions of jobs as American companies were afraid to do business over there. Only Nike, Apple, and Starbucks really expanded in China during this whole presidential period. And those were exceptional. 
No, it didn't produce as many jobs here as we might have liked, but it did start changing behavior over there in our favor. Did the Communist Party stop its most egregious practices? Not all of them, but they stopped dumping products here, and they were about to give American financial companies permission to operate without joint venture partners. That would have been a big deal. However, President Trump's heavy-handed, capricious, and publicly disrespectful comments, they didn't help. All the bellicose rhetoric forced the Chinese government's hand, making them more hostile than necessary because giving in would have made them look weak. Still, if we'd run the exact same trade war but done a little more quietly without all the theatrics, you know what? I think it would have been usually successful. They understood strength. I can tell you what won't work, though. Waiting for our allies to pitch in. That's a coalition of the unwilling. The European Union's largest trading partner is China, not the U.S., Those countries can't afford to turn on China. Granted, Trump didn't really try to reach out, and he pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was our way of buying off China's neighbors. But I think we would have had to go it alone anyway, because the U.S. is the only country that can afford to push back against the People's Republic. Nobody else had the wherewithal to take the pain. So I hope the incoming Biden administration can look at Trump's trade war objectively, because in many ways it really worked. We made real progress on getting China to finally play by the rules, and it would be a shame to throw it all away. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.